here is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent, and your host for the Dharmic Evolution. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor. So it's good to be back again. I just love being here on the Dharmic Evolution with you guys. So we're going to take a little trip down to New Orleans today. How does that sound? Um, got this real treat for you today, this uh, really awesome band that we're going to feature on the show today. Before we get down there, though, just a couple of quick things. I want you to please go to dharmicevolution.com and check out the my new book that I just uh, released is up on the main page. It's called Seven Steps to Freedom, and it's designed to help people who suffer from depression. It's a quick 30-minute read, but the strategies in there are invaluable. And even if you're not suffering from depression, I know you know someone who is. So please uh, send the link to them and uh, encourage them to check this out. Also, the Dharmic Evolution Facebook community page is for you. If you've been an artist on this show and you want to feature your content so the rest of the world can support you, put up your new song, put up your new video. If you're playing a gig, which so many of you are now, please post it on there and watch the support come from around the world for your music. So we're visiting with a band today that is fighting for frequency. And not only are they fighting for frequency, but that happens to be their name. So I'm lucky enough to have three out of the five members of the band, Dave, Chris, and Randon, are going to join me on the show today, and we're going to talk guitars, songs, we're going to talk gigs, we're going to talk New Orleans, touring, and anything else that we can think of. So you better strap up your seatbelts, because we're taking a ride today from the Music City all the way down to New Orleans to visit with Fighting for Frequency. Gentlemen, welcome to the Dharmic Evolution. Hi. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you for joining the fight and bringing the fight to your listeners. We've got the fighting for frequency here. So first question I have for you guys right out of the gate. And um, why don't, don't, Dave, why don't you take this one? And uh, fighting for frequency, the name is so cool. And I was like saying, well, that could be two ways. Is it, are you guys going for the uh, bandwidth frequency or... You know, frequency of you know events in a certain week. How many we do? Like, what is the the meaning and you know the whole story behind the name? So, um, this is actually a pretty pretty simple one. It's the frequency is is the the bandwidth frequency that you have of different instruments is they they fight to to fill that space and the sound fill that void. And we actually had a lot of problems coming up with a name for the band. Until one day we were at practice and um, we were talking about arrangements, and we said, "Really, that's all music, you know, is when you have this this many different sounds going into it. Is it's a bunch of different instruments fighting for a frequency? I think specifically we were talking about like adjusting the mids on an amplifier or something. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, it popped up it was like, "Oh yeah, it's all the all the the instruments are just fighting for frequency, like." That's a cool name, and then it just stuck the from there. So. Yeah, the, I mean, I like alliteration. You know, Adam was the one, I think, who initially said the thing about fighting for frequency. And then mm-hmm. it, we also kind of liked it because it is also a play on words um, in the sense that we are sort of fighting through the media clutter. Uh, there's a lot of artists out there, and there's also just a lot of media clutter. It's hard to get heard in the 21st century, and so we're fighting for that space, that frequency. Uh, within music and just within the industry and stuff. So uh, 
So we felt that it was, you know, appropriate both on, on a symbolic level and also on the literal level of, as musicians, we are fighting for that space. Yeah, it's every uh, engineer's worst nightmare, isn't it? You know, in figuring out which um, area of the spectrum of bandwidth to occupy which instrument. And sometimes, you know, it's like, wait a minute, the, this bass line does not work with these chords uh, in this octave. You know, it's it, you have to just keep moving things around. And the more experienced guys, obviously, um, who've been doing it for years and years and decades in some cases, that, you know, they have this down to um, to a science, you know, and it's amazing how they can make a song uh, just for, by, you know, pure skill level, um, make a song that sounded just, eh, so-so, all of a sudden it's just, you know, it's occupying all of the range, the whole spectrum, you can get all the colors coming out, which is so cool. Yeah, it's an art all to itself, really. Yeah. So tell us about uh, the writing process for Fighting for Frequency. How does it all start? Um, you know, what is where do the songs come from? Do you guys all get together? Is, is one person writing, a couple people writing? How is the um, how are the songs coming to fruition in their in their most raw form to start with? Uh, well, so yeah, sure, I'll take this one. I think we have multiple writers in the band. We're blessed to uh, to have a lot of creativity in the band. Um, and so, you know, this started off really as a writing project more than it was a band because uh, in its infancy before we, we really formed a band, Dave and I started talking about songwriting again and wanting to do more of that. So, and then he happened to have a friend, you know, longtime friend who's also a songwriter. And so we ended up getting together that way. But um, honestly, each person in this band is a songwriter and a composer in, in their own way. Uh, I'll What I'll, I'll typically do is I'll you know become inspired, write a song, and then I'll bring it to the band, I'll bring it to the guys. We all kind of work on it. Um, Adam, the, the, uh, the lead singer, he's got a, a great uh, sort of producer's brain. So when we bring him something, a lot of times I'll say, give me a few days to kind of you know, chew on this a little bit. Um, and he often comes back with, you know, it'll be, uh, sort of developed, right? So if, if I bring him something that's a little bit bare bones, he's going to come back with it fleshed out with lots of layers and, and lots of thought behind it, right? A lot of thoughtfulness. Um, so he's a great songwriter. He's, you know, oftentimes, hey guys, check your, uh, check your emails, got two new songs that we should work on. And then, you know, I'll do the same thing. Dave will do the same thing. And uh, Brandon sort of, I guess he didn't recently join us, but this album was already kind of being worked on before. So we're not going to have his songs on this album, but he's also a songwriter. So we can't wait to kind of get him into the process too, where we can all kind of work on these songs together. And it, mm -hmm. it, it feels great to kind of have um, each person contribute their own style to the songwriting. And it feels like we're never going to run out of ideas. We have a back catalog of like 30, 40 ideas um, yeah. or full songs really we have like 20 full mm -hmm. songs that it might take years to get to yeah and a lot of them chris and i have written together um but generally i mean to answer the, the gist of the question one person will write the song and then bring it in and then somebody like adam will often often chris will write like a pop song <laughs> and bring it in and adam will turn it into a rock song and bring it back and then uh randon is just amazing it it guitar anything to make a, a beautiful solo sound just fill of guitar uh random lays over it and then it becomes a fighting for frequency song well i've always been wanting to hear layers in a piece too like um 
a similar process to what uh, Chris explained with what Adam does with songs where uh, maybe Dave or Chris or somebody will bring in a tune and uh, kind of run it through the filter of Adam. And then over the course of a few days or a week, you get back your own song as a fully developed product. Um, while that's a, a pretty common process within the band, I know like since I've joined, I, um, how many points I want to get to here in such a short amount of time, but something, something I've noticed um, is that there's kind of a third tier of that that started to happen with a lot of their songs that existed even before I joined the band where I'll hear stuff that they may, may have never even heard before that is like a new layer that needs to be added that maybe transcends just like, oh, shred on this solo section, but is maybe just some kind of like little thing that something needs, uh, whether it be an actual guitar thing or like, hey, Chris, you could go way off more on bass for this part, mm -hmm. you know, don't hold back, things like that. Um, I also feel like since I've joined the band, I've noticed a change in the way that each of these, these two guys in particular here and the other two that aren't with us today right now, um, the way that they approach their own material, I feel like just having that fifth person in the mix and then Dave shifting over from the role of guitar to keys, bringing a whole new element to the band. Um, I feel like it's affected all of us directly. It's not just a matter of these four guys plus a new guitar. It's a, a matter of bringing a new perspective and uh, shifts everyone else's perspective a little bit too. And we all have some better worldview when it comes to music now that I Absolutely. think um, yeah. has shown itself in the evolution of the way that we play our songs as of today. So let me ask Dave, um, Dave, how was that transition for you from going from guitar to keys? Not a lot. Um, so I've, I started, uh, I guess, in music uh, at a young age, learning on keys um, and learning piano. Um, and in the moment that I couldn't carry a piano around with me, I switched to guitar. Uh, so, um, you can't carry a piano. I can't, just I mean, work it to the gym. I'd be like Hercules over here. <laughs> so, um, and I, I played guitar and I played bass was really my main instrument. Um, until we started this this project with with Rich, and then it, it went to guitar. Um, and I became a much better guitar player than I've ever been in my life. Um, in the and I sort of put the keys by the wayside and said, yeah, I don't have to worry about those. And then I made the mistake one day of filming uh, myself playing a bunch of our songs on piano um, at a friend's house and sending them over to the guys. And then immediately we had this come to Jesus moment and we sat down and they were like, hey, so you didn't tell us you played keys like that. Um, <laughs> you're going to play keys now. <laughs> and I went, oh, well, I I'm not that good. And, and then it it immediately right off the bat. Uh, and that's one of the things in this band that, that we all, you know, jump on and aspire to is we hold ourselves to a, a relatively high standard when it comes to musicianship, mm -hmm. especially in our own. I think we are huge critics of ourselves in that aspect. Um, and so it becomes a I spent the last, I guess, year and a half. Uh, just laboring away on keys to now that I've, I've gotten a really comfortable feel for filling in on key parts and different synth tones um, and where I can fit them in in our mix. Because it's also, as we said, fighting for frequency, 
it's a different spot in that fight than the guitar would be. It's a totally um, different role to fill. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah. it's been a learning curve, but it's been a it's added a new style and sound to our music that uh, makes it second to none. So. Yeah, it's it's really good to have um, to have the experience of knowing you know guitar playing and how to integrate keyboards into guitar playing you know and that's uh because you guys it sounds like a predominantly guitar band so that's a hard thing to do and do it tastefully and do it well hey let's take this time to uh give everybody a flave here this is a million miles away
a million miles away um really like that song the first time i heard it i said this is really cool great background vocals the whole thing um how did we build this one guys how did this one all come together so this was one of uh one of adam's songs so on the on the first album uh we all kind of split uh writing duties and this is one of adam's and um he came to us you know with a song that was that was really about feeling distant between two people you know it's 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 interesting how you can find uh, an emotion and sort of latch onto it and dig into that emotion. And Adam has that ability. He's a very poetic writer where he can capture a feeling or a moment and sort of expand it and make you sort of uh, like sort of almost lose yourself in that that feeling or that moment. So um, so that's sort of a million miles away. And we needed a good rock ballad, you know, and that's that's certainly a. Uh, one of our lower tempo songs, but people love it. You know, we have a lot of people, we have a, several people in our, our local uh, scene that come to the show and they, instead of yelling free bird or something, they're like, million miles away, play million miles away. They're like, yes, we'll play million miles away. Relax, we'll play it. Um, it's definitely so, a crowd favorite. Yeah, we've made the mistake of, of playing a few shows without playing it. At the end of the show, inevitably someone comes up, hey, why didn't you play my favorite song, fav- play my favorite song, million miles away? I know, I know. We should have put it in the set list. <laughs> <laughs> Better than Free Bird, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, um, tell while we're talking about that, fans and so forth, um, first of all, how did you guys come through the pandemic um, as far as keeping things together creatively? Are you guys proximity-wise all close enough to, to each other that, you know, you, can, you were able to continue to work together? Did you have to do Zoom? like calls did you just get on the phone like how did you how did you work your way through this uh crisis want to take that on a little bit yeah we can't so we all we're all very close in proximity and i mean for an example um <laughs> we most of the practicing we do in my backyard 
which uh, there's a gate in my backyard that directly opens up to where Adam lives, who is our front man. So we literally have two fifths of the band that live on an adjoining property. So we are physically close. Um, nice. And then Chris literally lives about three streets down walking distance. So um, that core of it, uh, Rannon is about five minutes away up the street. Um, so it's it's been easy for us to maintain contact um, and in real time. Um, not to mention through the pandemic, we sort of established as early on as we could that we created our own, um, I guess you'd call it bubble. So we had our yeah. own sort of social distance bubble um, with the band um, as as a group. How did you? Uh, what do you mean by that? A bubble? What do you mean you created a bubble? So, <clears throat> well, I I wasn't seeing anybody. Yeah, he I wasn't started, really seeing anybody. I I started a new job where I was working in healthcare, so mm. I I distanced from from everybody until things were a little bit safer. But um, but Adam and Dave are neighbors, so they were right. Uh, you know, able to sort of include each other uh and stuff. So they were still working together. Um, and then once it was safe and random, finally it came, you know, came yeah. back. So. Yeah. So yeah, my was, bubble is, is we've maintained as little contact as we could with, I guess. Uh, okay. So, so just to be clear, I, I thought you guys had invented this thing that you put like a, like this big plastic bubble in the th and you all like gathered around it and protected each other. I'm envisioning this real bubble and like, I'm like, how do they sing through that thing? How do they hear what they're doing? <laughs> A lot of reverb. A lot of reverb. That's a great idea. Now I'm wishing I had invented that. You know, right. I didn't right. show up right. to practice in a bubble and we could have continued practicing. This would have been great. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you probably copyright that now before somebody takes it. Everybody in headphones. It works, man. We just separated by this big bag of air and like we can see each other. <laughs> so, yeah, so the, good job, James. <laughs> so you guys essentially kind of sort of skated through this um, in pretty good shape as far as you weren't cut off like so many people were like <clears throat> who were in different states or whatever in bands um that i've had on had had a really tough time with you know we couldn't do anything and we'd get on calls but we couldn't really be in proximity to like you know feel the music and sometimes you have to be in the room as you guys know definitely yeah right and we, I mean, we worked on the the you know, upcoming album right, um, right? during this pandemic, too, and spent a lot of time social distance, you know, in studio with masks on, um, getting through it that way, too. Yeah. Most most of the time, uh, you know, we, we would normally be in the studio together, just enjoying each other's company and critiquing each other's work and, and stuff like that. But because of the pandemic, we ended up tracking um, a lot of, you know, tracking a lot of the different instruments separately uh during that so that since we yeah. you know the, the studio we were working at was i was asking please do not bring like you know everybody and all their friends and everybody else in there it can't be a party atmosphere mm -hmm. just because uh, of the social distancing thing so we ended up just tracking it's like oh okay today you know random go go track your guitar you know uh go record your your guitars today next week i'll go in and record next week after that dave will go in so but we spent a lot of our time um producing the album and, and working on that so it wasn't. It wasn't an entirely wasted year. You know, we couldn't yeah. do what we love the most, which is live music. Yeah, that is is um, tracking your um, go to method of creating music. Like, do you guys always start with, uh, 
you know, rhythm tracks, uh, do you try to do like a live setup ever or do you just build it from the ground up? How do you guys go about making your songs? Well, typically pre-produce uh, using like a live track. Um, for example, two of the songs that are going to be on the upcoming album, we went in before the pandemic ever happened and we we're like, well, let's, while we're here pre-producing, let's, uh, let's record these live and we'll have somebody film us doing it just so it sort of has like that live studio session feel. Mm -hmm. um, and that's sort of how we, we get to the baseline of everything. And then we'll go back in, you know, do uh, scratch tracks and start recording from the ground up. And it'll start with drums, rhythm, guitars, and, and bass and build up from there. So um, how about uh, you guys seem to have a pretty solid uh, fan base built around you. I'm sure you worked hard to get that. Um, where are you in relationship to New Orleans? Are you guys real close to New Orleans or how, like how far away are you? Oh, like a five-minute drive? Ten oh, minutes drive. yeah. Okay. From, so uh, that's kind of a hard question to answer because mm -hmm. uh, if you pull up the zip code we live in, it says New Orleans. Right. When yeah. technically we're about five minutes outside of the actual city limit. Right. I okay. mean, my street address actually says New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit closer than they, they are. Yeah. So, so the rock scene is alive and well in New Orleans, correct? There is a rock resurgence going on. Yeah, awesome. have a, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can tell you, I know these guys can, can tell you the same thing. When we go to a show, there are a lot of uh, passionate musicians there and a lot of passionate fans, people yeah. who will day in and day out go to any show of the week. It doesn't matter if it's a Tuesday or Wednesday, they will be there. Um, and we will, you know, we will have a an engaged audience and a, a an energetic audience. And it, I mean, it, it's great. It makes for a great show when you can look out and they're giving that energy back. You know, what, yeah. what's better for a musician than to be playing music and to have people singing your songs back to you or to have people, you know, really in the crowd, mm -hmm. you know, rocking and dancing uh, and headbanging, dancing and headbanging to the stuff, you know? Yeah, I think calling it a resurgence is a good way to put it. I mean, just off the top of my head, easily, I can think of two uh, young college bands that are absolutely killing it right now. The Carter Wilkinson Band. Um, I don't know if they actually have a name now or if he's still just calling it Carter Wilkinson's band. Um, and then the band Zeta, they're, they're both New Orleans local bands that are all just 20 somethings doing this new and revised kind of classic rock sound with so many different diverse influences that- yeah. uh, What that was that you called them, Brandon Zeta? Oh, there's a strong scene here for sure. What was that? Wait, did you say it was uh, Zeta, the band? Yeah, yeah with, what How do you spell it? ITA. Oh, ITA. Oh, okay. Um, well, this is good news. I'm, I'm really happy to hear that, uh, that, you know, rock is not by any stretch of the imagination dead. Because <laughs> I've been a fan of it for, you know, decades. I mean, it's just, um, there's so much history, you know, that you can, and then there's so many genres and offshoots of genres that um, it's hard to be bored in this country if you're a musician, you know, uh, and a fan, of course, because all of us musicians are fans as well. So that's mm -hmm. great news. So tell me about your fan base. Like, um, you know, are these people, um, did you guys, how did you happen upon like one day saying, hey, we're starting to get traction here? Like, is there a certain aspect of the type of people that are gravitating toward your music and is it something you're paying attention to and trying to get more leverage and more um opportunity in front of that crowd well i mean i i know uh just based on the feedback we've had from fans 
we bring a uh, the type of show that multiple uh, sorry that fans from a wide spectrum can appreciate right so we've had some people come and say man i really like the guitar work you know they'll go up to randon or adam afterwards and be like yeah you know i felt i felt like they had some swedish metal vibes in there and stuff like that when you were doing harmonies together and and soloing together or doing you know uh battling guitar riffs and they'll go up to you know me and dave afterwards and be like, man y'all brought a lot of energy or you know so everybody's got um something that they they take away from from the shows you know mm-hmm. uh we we like to do sort of a high flying, high energy show where uh, I know one fan of ours has told us they sort of uh, the vibe we bring is old school Van Halen, sort of the happy warrior vibe. Yeah. yeah. You, we're, the fun loving party animal right. vibe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So instead of a lot, a lot of uh, rock musicians might look a little angry on stage. We don't, we're having a great yeah. time and we want yeah. you to have a great time too. We want you to come to our, our shows, sing along with us, you know, uh, and did just dance around and have a good yeah. time with this. It doesn't need to be, um, we don't need to always be so serious. You know, we'll, we'll sometimes mess with e- with each other on stage. Oh, and, yeah. stuff, you know? <laughs> and we've, so we try to bring that vibe, like we're having a good time on stage. And if we're having a good time, I think the fans will too, you know, it's, it's sort of infectious to see, you know, people playing music and, and doing something they're passionate about. Yeah. I mean, I've always personally been a fan of uh, interaction among band members as much as interaction between band members and audience. And I think we have a, a really naturally strong inclination to do that when we're on stage. I mean, we're making faces at each yeah. other and interacting with each other <laughs> as much as we are with the front row that's, you know, heavily involved in what we're doing. Um, and, I, and I think people feed off of that. If they see that you're not just, putting on a performance for the people there, but you're enjoying each other's company and, and bringing, showing to the world, like this is the vibe that we create, even when it's just the five of us in a room rehearsing. Um, it, it, it brings a, a completely different and unique layer of entertainment and fun lovingness, as we've said a lot just now, um, to the table uh, and to the live show experience that isn't necessarily all that common, particularly among rock bands of today. Because like Chris said, uh, I think people generally associate rock with anger, but that's not really us. <laughs> yeah, no smashing of guitars, hopefully. No. <laughs> not there yet. We can't Those things cost too much money. Yeah, yeah. cost money. I, I, love, I love my bass. I don't want to part yeah. with it, so I'm never going to smash it. Yeah, <laughs> the sentimental value. Yeah, I love yeah. that thing. Why would that, I do that? I, I wouldn't, it's never done anything wrong to me, so why would I, do that? Why, why would I smash it? <laughs> as much yeah. of a fan of Pete Townsend, I always have been. I never got that idea of destroying the, the instruments. That's just... Uh, not cool. Um, so your home base is New Orleans proper. Is, is that where you're, you know, that's where you've guys kind of dug in and that's where you do most of your gigs? For sure. Yeah, we, we, we had the opportunity to expand a little bit last year or sorry, not last year, but the year before that, I should say, uh, before, before the, the, yeah, COVID the pandemic, we did a, uh, we did a, uh, a, a See, no, sorry. Southern Siege Tour. The Southern tour. Siege Tour. We like the alliteration, right? <laughs> so we did a, a tour called the Southern Siege, and we, we made it as far uh, out as Pensacola. We played in western Louisiana. Um, we played, uh, you know, Lafayette, Jackson, Mississippi. And we started... Uh, Alabama. Of, yeah, Alabama. We started getting out of this area a little bit. Um, and we were planning on doing a, here comes more alliteration for you, a Texas takeover tour, and then everything shut down. So uh, so needless to say, we'll probably be doing that in the near future. And I know, I think in yeah. a previous podcast, you said your son lives in Austin, so maybe we yeah. can uh, 
it's him to come to one of our shows. Yeah, I'll hook you up. He's he's all over this stuff. I mean, he's got two uh, completely original bands, um, which he writes all the material. One, one is like Americana, and one is sort of the way you guys, I guess more pop rock. And then he's playing out with other uh, bands, playing bass or playing, hey, whatever, whatever you know, you need, I'll I'll come in and help you out or whatever. So, um, so yeah, Austin is just is such a great town for just, I mean, it's exploding with music, and I call it the Nashville West. Sometimes, you know, it's like, uh, and it's good because I'm getting the feeling um, that things are really opening up and i think there's going to be a new like you guys said it earlier a resurgence and maybe not just with rock but within original music in general which i'm really hopeful and happy about always um i just love seeing the create creativity pour out of people who have been pent up and just haven't had a chance to express themselves so um if i had a drink i would toast with you guys right now to the future but next time we will <laughs> or maybe we'll do it live sometime um so uh, back to nashville. what's that we'll come to nashville and we'll, we'll come rock a show with you it, i'd love that that'd be awesome um now just you know back to your your fans again um how are you guys communicating with them uh to keep them like up to date is it all social media um, you know, how do you keep them abreast of what you guys are doing, mailing list, like how you guys are, are, are continuing uh, to make sure um, you're giving them what they want and you're growing uh, your fan base because you seem to be doing a really good job of that. Thank you. Yeah. It's, a, it, it's really a little bit of everything approach, right. you know? Yeah. Um, I don't think there's one type of fan and therefore – there's no one type of medium that all of you, uh, all of our fans are going to be on. So we can't just use social media, Instagram or Twitter. Mm -hmm. We have to use the mailing list. We have to use word of mouth. Uh, we have to use even local advertising and stuff like that. So if we do, uh, if we do a show, we're not above, you know, putting out flyers or something like that, that people might see something physical, you know, something physical we could hand people uh, at a festival. Um, we have, everything on the table approach because there's no one type of fan. Yeah, and I think specifically during the, the pandemic, uh, we spent a lot of time focusing on social media and trying to expand our social media presence as well. Yeah. Um, just because it was the easiest way to get the word out and get the, get the frequency out um, during that time. And, I mean, and we had things like uh, Chris touched on earlier, two of the songs that are going to be on the upcoming album, um, we had uh, videoed us doing live recordings of them and we um we actually put those together and, and recently put them out as is i guess sort of like teasers uh coming up um for the new album uh so putting out videos like that um you know just touching base with all of our our fans through social media through the use of of videos um yeah you know uh a right. lot of posts we did with birthday shout outs right <laughs> yeah awesome and you're doing that you're doing the most important thing which is playing live to them which is which is great you know you can't get any more of a a good feel going than being there and and available to to people hey let's just take a moment now and we're going to play this is called fast forward <laughs>
is going All I know is where we've been And all those days living without you All those nights my world was keeping in
So this song, guys, uh, you know, this, I got to say, uh, really, really cool riff, Randon, on, uh, at 5'11 in that. <laughs> I love that little riff, you, if, if that was you on there. Uh, really, really cool guitar riff in there on the solo. And um, just a really good, um, interesting, and you kept it like I kept getting surprised through it, you know, like what's going to come next. And a good song, really good effort. Can we talk gear a little bit? Like, uh, what do you guys like, Randon? What are you playing through? Um, what kind of what kind of guitar and what kind of amp setup are you using? I uh, my my tone and setup has evolved so much over the years. I constantly change patch banks. Um, but one thing that has remained consistent is for about four years now, I've been using the same cab, uh, a four by twelve cab, in the uh, the same amp head. Uh, I use a, an obsolete amp called the Line 6 uh, Spider Valve Mark II. It's, uh, it, it was a collaboration between Line 6 amps and Bogner tubes. So it's one of the only, if not the only, uh, other than the Mark I, the only Line 6 tube amp. Um, nice. It gives you all of the customability and all of the little fine details and tonal changes you can make with some of the line six spider solid state amps um those are also known for not sounding great but the uh the bogner tube collaboration brought you this wonderful uh power and and volume and and just beautiful crunchy retro uh tube amp sound while still giving you the custom uh, custom ability of um a lot of what line six does like with their new helix technology and stuff so you you get this best of both worlds thing where you're getting this just powerful classic rock uh sound with the uh modern edge of being able to do so much in one place like i don't even run a pedal board i i have maybe three pedals in front of me a wah and a digitech uh whammy that can let me do all kinds of weird pitch shifting stuff um and outside of those two um i have a four piece with an expression pedal uh footboard that runs straight into the back of the line six amp and i get all of my different patches all my different sounds straight from the amp nice so that's really up extremely mobile which yeah. is very handy are, is line six still around are they still in business you yeah. know they were huge they're constantly innovating and creating new stuff but i will say none of their solid stake technology in my opinion sounds nearly as good as that amp that they for some reason no longer make it's obsolete so i've collected three of them over the years everybody so. does that if they have something good it disappears i'm a tube amp man from way back and i still love the tube amp you know music man and all yeah. kinds of things yeah. um you know it's it's really nice to hear somebody playing without a full rack of pedal boards too because uh, i had a guy on matt o'ree uh, he's from New Jersey, and he does the same thing. He just cranks it up and uses a tube amp. And he ended up in this studio with Bruce Springsteen, Bruce playing on one of his songs that he wrote, and they were trading vocals and guitars, and I, I featured that on this show. It was amazing because I'd never heard Bruce let loose like this guy, and, and, and this guy, was he's phenomenal. He's just a phenomenal guitar player. Um, not to get off on, I get I get carried away with gear sometimes, but um, I'll also uh, just throw out there, I'm extremely loyal to ESP guitars, Elixir strings, and EMG pickups. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> du <laughs> duly noted, duly noted. <laughs> 
So let me ask you guys about your aspirations for um, for this year, 2021. Now that we're we're bouncing out of the um, the the boy in the plastic bubble, and we're going out, and we're really going to be playing in places. What do you what do you guys are aspiring to do? Like you mentioned, you want to get out and maybe hit Texas and places like that. Would would that like suit where you are right now in your in your careers with the band, like do, doing regional tours, just to to you know start blowing it up a little? Yeah. So our plan for the most part uh, open up for lots of great national acts coming through both our area and just just the region. Um, and we're gonna just we're gonna head out to Texas. We'll head out to a lot of the neighboring states. Um, do lots of shows there. Uh, we've got some things in the works to maybe play some festivals. Um, we're gonna be releasing a new album. Um, by the time this airs, uh, we'll probably have already broke this news, but uh, our album release party is going to be on September 15th. It's going to be at Southport Hall. And so if you're in the area, even in the the surrounding area, maybe like an hour or two away, I promise you it will be worth it to drive an hour from an hour or two away to come see us rock out. You will have a great time. It will be uh, one of the best shows you will see in uh, in New Orleans on that night. I I can promise you that. Um, Yeah, it'll be a high energy show and we'll be sticking around after the set to uh, hang out with all the pre-existing and new fans. We'll just party it up. Yeah, awesome. Do you guys, um, do you guys have, is New Orleans have enough bandwidth for your music? Like you, can you guys like play like, tons of clubs there like that that would be able to facilitate you know the type of crowds you would draw um because i know it's very eclectic um there's there's everything there you know which is great but uh is that a place where you can just keep coming back and saying man there's just more um places to you know there's more gold to mine here we haven't we haven't hit all the clubs that we could is it like that or is it kind of like you know set a certain amount of clubs so I guess does anybody else take this? Uh, a I've complex got a specific answer. For go that, ahead, go ahead. Shoot. We've got a lot of interesting music clubs, but I'd say for a rock scene, there's maybe four or five um, mm-hmm. yeah. club type venues. If you include bars, that's a that's a completely different story. Yeah. But if you're, if you're talking about club type venues, right off the top of my head, I'd say our top places would be Southport Hall, House of Blues, Gasa Gasa, Tipitinas. Yeah. Um, that's a very easy, I feel like anybody in our kind of scene would give you that exact same answer. A few people might mention a place like Hi-Ho Lounge or Art Garage as well. Um, or Howlin' Wolf. Twist yeah, Howlin' Wolf. Yeah. Um, but then you start, beyond that answer of those uh, somewhere between five and seven places we just named, you start getting more into um, just your local bar crowd and, and mm-hmm. less into a distinct music venue uh, club yeah. type of place. Um, and, and every town's got got something like that, you know. Right. Um, yeah. But those those handful of places are, as far as I can tell, in the four years that I've been living here, pretty much the only places you're going to go and find music like ours. Can um, you get? So let me ask you two questions. First of all, can you get enough rotation um, for for those four places, or do you need more? And is the bar scene bad for you guys? Because I know it. Some it's it's not good to just take every gig. So does a bar scene, like aside from polishing your songs and your chops, um, does that hurt you guys as far as getting you to the next step? Or would you pass on it? Or would you just take the bar, bar gigs as well? I mean, I'll, and I'll jump on this one if you want. I mean, there's, there's been plenty of bar gigs. The problem we have with a bunch of the bars that, that we could go on every night um, and we draw a crowd each night. Mm-hmm. Um, but the majority of the bar scene stuff is going to 
greatly limit the capacity of people uh, that we can play to. And yeah. we're, we're really going to be drawing larger crowds than we can fit in there. So it's definitely going to limit us. Yeah. Uh, potentially hurt us too. Um, yeah. You don't want to get stuck playing to the same crowd every night. Right. You know, and we've you actually, have a lot of ch changeover and constantly find opportunities to play for new people. We've actually gotten to the point, um, especially in the bar scene, where um, to avoid overplaying the bar scene too, that we've, we've actually had to turn down um, requests to play mm -hmm. certain areas. Um, and it feels terrible because some of these right. bars, they treat us great. You know, yeah. we, have, we have a great relationship with some of them. But it's like we don't want to oversaturate the area either, um, and 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 like like Dave said, I mean it's it's we can't uh, house something like uh, an album release party or really big event for for us there, or else um, we'd have to play three nights in a row and be like you know mm -hmm. night one, night two, night three. Yeah. In order to make sure we got all of our fans into the door. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's just like, you know, you got to save your bullets, you know, sometimes. And it's like, like you said, if you can't facilitate the, your, your, your people um, and you don't want to burn out the same ones over, over and over again. So I think you're doing it the right way, man. Um, as we're getting towards the end here, I just want to see if you guys, either collectively or one by one, would have any kind of um, food for thought, any advice Anything you would like to say to some of the younger singer-songwriters, bands uh, that are coming up and developing their craft, developing their talent, anything you would like to share um, just as we, as we start to part ways here? Yeah, um, I mean, I'll, I'll start. Why not? I, yeah, I got plenty, but I'll, I'll let me just <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Um, before Dave starts dropping knowledge bombs and gems of wisdom <laughs> on everyone. Um, I think one thing, uh, support your fellow artists. Uh, we've made some phenomenal relationships with other artists and other musicians as we've toured and as we've, we've uh, kind of traveled around and done everything. And some of those relationships and friendships are lifelong. And, uh, and so supporting each other in this, it creates the kind of community that makes you want to keep playing music. Um, so definitely support each other. It's not it's not a true competition, especially at this level. Come on, we all we're all fans of the of the music. So just support each other. Um, the other thing I think is trust the universe a little bit and trust the process. I know you know thinking about Dharma. You know, I was kind of reflecting on that before coming on. Um, it sort of brought us all here. You know, one day I'll tell you the story about how we all formed. But it's sort of the universe kind of put us all together in really unique, weird way. Um, and sometimes you have to trust that process. Sometimes you have to kind of listen and say, like, I think this is all going to work out. Um, so, yeah, don't get frustrated. Keep on plugging along and sometimes trust the process. And you might you might be impressed where the journey takes you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, something. Uh, I, I would just say, I mean, it's a, that kind of question is so easy to give a thousand uh, worthwhile answers to. Uh, but the first thing that comes to mind is just the more you do something, if you're dedicated to it, the better at it you'll get. So don't let fear hold you back. Don't let insecurity about your own art hurt, hold you back. You know, your first show for anybody, it's probably going to suck. That's fine. <laughs> it, it probably will. If it doesn't, you're a freaking God and you were meant to do this. Um, and I've seen some people like that. You know, I've met some prodigies in my time. But just if you want to do something, 
do it. The more you do it, the better at it you'll get. And especially if you've got this natural kind of universal cosmic pull towards it, you'll find the people that you need to find. You just got to trust the process. You got to be patient. Um, now that being said, uh, while patience is important, you do need to get out there and make it happen. I mean, the reason oh, yeah. I met these guys is because the within the first week that I moved to New Orleans, I just showed up to Southport Hall, uh, one of the local venues that I mentioned, because I had heard about the venue before I moved here and was just surfing their website, looking at the calendar to see when the next rock show would be. And it was a few days after I had moved into New Orleans. Um, I didn't know any of the bands on the bill. I didn't know them. I didn't know the other two. I just showed up. I ended up meeting one of my best friends of the past four years that night. And I ended up meeting the four of these guys um, at that show. And within a few days was asked to come play with them. And it just, you know, it happens. And I got out there, I brought my business cards and I was talking to every stranger in town. Just, hey, I'm new to town and I'm a musician and I'm just seeing what's up and this venue is cool and who's playing tonight. And you got to do stuff like that. You just got to get out there and you got to pursue it, you know? You can't you can't sit in your room and just play riffs and hope that being talented will be enough to get you somewhere. You got to put yourself out there. You got to get uncomfortable and you got to meet people. I mean, networking is just as important in talent in a lot of ways as talent in a lot of ways. Yeah. Great, great pearls of wisdom, guys. Um, As we're wrapping up, I just want to say thank you and sorry we didn't get a chance to say hello to Adam and Chuck, um, but Dave, Chris. Randon, um, really, really enjoyed this. Uh, loved learning about fighting for frequency. Love what you're doing musically. And I just want to wish all of God's blessings on you, your music, your careers moving forward. And um, we'll see each other again soon, I'm sure. I'm so back at you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, I hope you guys really dug that. If you want to follow uh, Fighting for Frequency, check out the show notes. All the links to all of their socials are in there and how to find out about them. That's a wrap for me today. I'm your host for the Dharmic Evolution, James Kevin O'Connor. So until the next time when we meet again, I'll either see you on the socials or I'll see you from the stage. Ride on, ride on, baby, won't you take a ride with me? Ride on, ride on, we can untangle all the mystery. If wishes were windows, I'd open one and find That freedom is really a simple state of mind So ride on, ride on, baby, won't you take a ride with me? Ride on, ride on, we can untangle all the mystery Ride on, ride on, baby, baby, you and I can find the key Ride on, ride on, we can unlock each other's destiny I taste the breeze of freedom, it's tingling on my tongue You and I out on the road will stay Ride on, 
lover's destiny Places that you never dreamed. I'll take you places that were pictures in your mind. I'll take you places beyond the reach of time. So I. Take a ride. 